Hello, and welcome to Maybe We Can Fix This, the podcast where normally uh, I, your host Morgan, talk to a variety of guests about games that we liked, but that missed the mark in some ways. This time, however, I am joined by several of our uh, previous guests to talk about some of our favorite games that we played in 2020. Uh, to be clear, that is not that definitely came out in 2020, but that we put the time into in 2020. Um, so joining me again, we have Brandon. Hey, everybody. And Candelia. Hi. And Will. hey Um, and I'm sure it's been, it's been a weird year. We all know this. Um, <laughs> and I know I, for one, have ended up with some time that would have been spent doing other activities, just spent playing some games by myself. Uh, it was a great year to pick up playing an MMO, I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> but I think that there are definitely some things that uh, rose above the rest. Uh, so would anyone like to go first? I will just do mine then. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, silence. Uh, so my favorite game I think that I played in 2020... Um, did come out in 2020, and that is Supergiant's Hades. Uh, Hades has made quite a bit of a splash. It's come out on uh, PC and on Switch. It was, I think, an Epic Games exclusive for a while on PC uh, and in early access. I only played it when it found, when it did drop on Switch, and I have a long history of playing Supergiant games. Um, Pyre was another game I played this year by them. Uh, which came out a few years back, which I did adore. And Bastion and Strange Sister, I had pretty good times with back in the day. But Hades, it scratches that, like, so it is a roguelike. It is a game where there is progression outside of individual runs through the dungeon, uh, which I always prefer because then I can, like, feel like I'm working towards some sort of ending. Um, and the actual, like, while Greek mythology is not some something new for a game or uh, any other work of art to, to depict, it was done very refreshingly. Um, instead of having Demeter as like benevolent harvest goddess, you have her in her like Snow Queen mode, um, more the Reaper than the Sower. You have you know, it's very queer. Uh, which is pretty great. Like your main character has history with both a dude and a chick, which is kind of great. There's some wonderful fan art of all three of them being awkward third wheels for the other two. Um, and you know, there's like so many like just good moments. There's like, you know, you can pet Cer Cerberus, like, and then the gameplay itself is balanced really well. Um, uh, a lot of people I've talked to have, like, favorite weapons they like to use, and it's not all the same weapon, uh, which is always a good sign. Um, and the way it handles difficulty, I found also, like, people have talked about this um, more informed than I have talked about this, where one of the things it does is instead of having, like, easy, normal, hard, it has... You have the game, and then you can turn on something called God Mode. All God Mode does, it gives you like a static damage reduction. And then 
every time you die while it is on, that damage reduction goes up. So if you are really struggling, every time you fail, it'll get a little easier. Which I think is pretty good. Like, I, I didn't turn it on until I had done five successful runs, I think. And I was just trying to, like, get the next few done so I could see the end credits. Um, but, like, it never felt like I... The game doesn't, like, mock you in any way for turning this on. It's just like, oh, you are literally, like, the child of gods. Like, sure, have an easier time. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I, I don't know. Has anyone else played it? No, I've been interested in it. I know it'll be a little difficult for me because I recently got a, a Mac. And oh, dear. Thus, um, <laughs> and since I don't have a Steam, it's going to be a, a very interesting time mm-hmm. playing it. But I, 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 I'll i see if I end up getting a Switch either for Christmas or my birthday or something and then try to play. But I, I was very intrigued by what I saw online um, from some of the, the video reviews and just some of the gameplay the mm-hmm. the plot elements and things that that you just touched on as well, Morgan. So I, I haven't played it, but I I want to. It, it looks <laughs> very it looks very fun, very intriguing. Oh, for sure. And I, it you know it, it may be a little presumptuous of me, but it probably should have got game of the year. But um, I can considering why yes. it there's <laughs> there's definitely at this point in the industry like sort of an equivalent of Oscar bait films in that there are games that seem to be like industry geared towards getting that kind of award so i'm not surprised that the last of us 2 won that um i think in terms of like cultural impact i think hades had made a bigger splash Mm. um but you know for all i know fortnite should have been game of the year every year (laughs) (laughs) well that's like well, that's like LeBron James winning MVP every season. Like, you know he's the best player, but, like, do you... Do Someone you else has to get a turn, him? yeah. Someone else has to get a turn, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so that's what I would like I, to... That's what uh, I'm going to put up, Hades. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. My um, roommate has been playing Hades for a while uh, via, like, early access and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I've been... I had kind of like had my eyes on it for a while. I don't know if I'm ever going to play it. It's definitely not the kind of game that I usually enjoy playing. I I get, I don't know. It kind of, it's not a roguelike per se, but it's similar enough that I'm not sure if I would ever play it. But I I love Mm. Supergiant games so much. They're gorgeous. They're so beautiful. The music is always so fantastic. Apparently their internal practices are super like good too, in terms of like a healthy work environment. Yeah, so, like, I'm a big, I guess you could say, like, I'm a big stan. Um, I will probably not play Hades, but it is entirely just not the kind of play style yeah. that I'm really interested in. Maybe in the future, I can see myself giving it a try, though. Yeah, and I will say the one the one big thing against it in terms of, like, accessibility is that for anyone who, like, too many things happening at once causes, like, mental problems, um it can get real bad for that. Like, there are times when, like, you know, I've been playing games for a very long time. There are times where I couldn't figure out where I was on the screen because there's just too many th- objects running around. 
Uh, play it was still running real smooth. Um, but like for people who like get overwhelmed as well, it's not a great time per se. But yeah. Um, so let's call Will. You are the quietest, so you get to go next. Fair enough. Uh, so so my game of the year I, I go is, entirely uh, by teacher rules that's I mean that's legit um, my game of the year is uh, The Long Dark which I've been streaming for a year and a half now um, I did story mode and now I am on I think, I want, I think I'm on day 189 of the 500 day achievement uh, oh, grind wow. so uh, yeah like, so it's you have to play it for that many days like n- have- you have to survive in game for that many days it's okay. the, the achievement is called the will to live and <laughs> it's my namesake so of course i have to get it so <laughs> so yeah so so i'm doing a, a live streamed frozen Fr- it's called frozen fridays and i just put a couple of hours in it w- a week and so we're now on day 189 and i'm playing up difficulty to boot and i'm playing iron man so if I if I die I start over and I died like fifteen times in a row in pretty quick succession. Um, oh, but that's better than like dying really far apart. <laughs> well, the, the thing about the Long Dark yeah. is because it's a survival game, right? Once you stabilize, mm-hmm. the game actually like the mid game is much easier than yeah. the opening. The opening is the hardest part of the game. If you can stabilize sense. with decent clothing and a, a decent supply of food then you've got time and time is the one thing that you almost never have so i feel like there should be a name for that kind of game where like if you get past the first hour you can like find a better rhythm like um i mean factorials like that this is a deep cut but like um the first elder scrolls game yep um yeah if you make it out of the sewer that elder scrolls arena starts in then you'll probably have a good time with that character. That said, it took me, I think, 20 tries to make a character and get out of the sewer without getting that game over. Ah, the days (laughs) when tutorials were absolute murder. (laughs) Like, I feel like there's got to be a word for that. I just don't know what the word is. I mean, for me, the survival genre in general is all about stabilizing. Yeah. Gotcha. But yeah, so I've... uh, I enjoy the hell out of it. It's... um, this beautiful cell shaded, you know, vaguely comic sort of graphics, which are not necessarily cutting edge, but they are very, very well executed. It's set in Canada. And so you get all of the little touches. Like there are houses where people who are very patriotic used to live. So they've got Canadian flags out. And when you're playing this from an American perspective and you're used to seeing that and it being super freaking toxic, it's actually kind of warming to see maple leaves everywhere. Um, there's ketchup chips, which takes a little getting used to. So yeah, so, um, it also has a beautiful story mode, um, with Jennifer Hale, uh, voicing the character that I'm, you know, making my survival run with. Um, so, uh, the story is not, it's not your usual action fare, right? Where it's go here, kill that, do that, the other thing. Mm -hmm. Mostly you're just trying to get from point A to point B, um, then the background story is sort of unfolding. It's not necessarily super relevant to the characters that you play because they just want to get the hell out of that situation, but yeah. they still do a fairly good job of developing uh, the the main story. And the the setting for this is Northern Canada and it's winter 
And there's a Carrington event, which for those of you who aren't astrophysics nerds, a Carrington event is when uh, the sun lets out a big burst of radiation. It's a solar flare dialed up to 11. And the Carrington events in particular are strong enough to wipe out all electronics on the surface of the planet. If, the, uh, if, if your half of the planet is facing the sun that day, everything shuts off. Um, it's only, I believe there's only been one in the history of recorded humanity history. And it happened before electricity was a super big deal. Um, and, but it is one of those things that like NASA's got teams that are trying to figure out how do we cope with this? What happens if there's a space shuttle in orbit when one of these things goes off? Like that'll basically just straight up cook them alive. Um, so beyond that, it's, uh, it's hard to, to um, describe it beyond the fact that like you're flying in a plane when it happens and uh, now you have to no. deal with it. So like you crash. Yeah. And so there's two characters. The first one is the pilot. The second one is a doctor um, and they used to be married. And that story oh. starts, that story <laughs> comes out over gameplay, but the, uh, the pilot crashes and the doctor's gone. So the pilot's story is trying to find the doctor and the doctor's got a mission. And so she's trying to get that done. Um, and so uh, Jennifer Hale voices the doctor and she does a wonderful job. Um, the other thing that I like about it is they really, really did their homework. So I used to uh, be a Boy Scout. I used to go on the kind of camping trip where you hop into a float plane you get flown into the middle of nowhere in northern ontario dropped you know a good two weeks from civilization and you canoe your way back um i'm sorry you did what now <laughs> yep yeah that's For fun yep that's that's how i spent my childhood so i used to do these camping trips and um you know like survivalism is a a part of my family going way back not just because i grew up in the country but because like you know this these kinds of trips my dad did it his dad did it etc 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 and while i wouldn't say i could survive in the wilderness by myself if i really had to uh for too too long right i'd probably i'd probably outlast most folks um but the attention to detail on what uh, woodcraft and survival, especially under the specific conditions of it's desperately cold and you're in Northern Canada for the winter, um, is really, really, really good. Um, they do have the disclaimer, don't try any of this at home or you might die. Um, but the, the attention to detail, like the specific plants and whatnot that you go after for medicine, uh, the dangers of eating the meat of predators versus the meat of herbivores, um, stuff like that. The fact that you can, you know, get lamp oil, usable lamp oil rendered out of cooked meat and whatnot. Like there's all sorts of, of little tiny details that are very good, but it is also a game where you are at all times dying from five different things at once. And it's just a question of which one is the most pressing. And that's how you have to sort of get through it. And I really, really appreciate the sort of, reality simulator? to that survival experience yeah <laughs> yeah it's a misery simulator <laughs> well good to know you prepped for for the current world Oof. yeah <laughs> it, it, if if the shit hits the fan i'm all right but uh, all right uh candelia you've been quiet you want to go next yeah sure um i will talk about animal crossing new horizons 
um, uh-huh. that came out this year in March. Um, I don't know. I know Morgan's played it. Yep. Um, <laughs> it had a huge install base. Like, a lot of people got very into Animal Crossing because it came out, you know, basically right at the beginning of a lot of America going into lockdown. Yup, I was yeah. gonna say. Um, I think so far, up, um, until uh, last, the last time I looked, I think as of December, it sold twenty six million copies, which is like huge on the Switch. I think the only thing that sold more is Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that. Or no, it's right. Mario Kart Eight. Mario Kart Eight has sold more than Animal Crossing, which is pretty funny. Um, so no. Animal Crossing is um animal crossing is a game that has been around for a very long time um the first game came out on the gamecube i don't i think the first game was on the gamecube in japan as well i think yeah i mean you're you're a a large bobble-headed human-ish looking person um (laughs) and you live with anthropomorphic animals um either in a town or at one point near a city, and now on an island. Um, the new game, New Horizons, introduced like a whole bunch of new stuff. Um, the way that the characters look is um, very different. Like character customization is a lot deeper now. Um, I wouldn't say like it's a lot deeper compared to original. <laughs> it's not like crazy like Skyrim or whatever game level where like there's a billion choices. Um, like over 300 animals um, that live on the island uh, that you can move in and interact with. Uh, There's a crafting system. That's a brand new thing that hadn't originally been part of the game. Uh, There's kind of like some progression. There's like, I guess some people, like you can quote beat Animal Crossing by, you you can reach the credits (laughs) um, by inviting a dog with a guitar to your island who will play music for everybody. Um, <laughs> one of the cool things about Animal Crossing is uh, I've sunk over 800 hours into it, which is like pretty extreme, I think, compared wow. to a lot of people. Yeah. Wow. Um, I really like it a lot. Um, I just like doing casual stuff. I like decorating my island and interacting with my little village people. I like helping other friends build furniture and uh, get materials and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's one of the big things that um, really charmed me to Animal Crossing, and I think a lot of people, is that uh, the year 2020, uh, right when Animal Crossing released, is when the pandemic kind of came into like full swing, and a lot of people ended up uh, um, furloughed, a lot of people were at home and not able to interact with people, and one of the cool things about Animal Crossing is that you have a character... Who you it was like an avatar that you vaguely made to look kind of like yourself. Um, and there's a number of interactable objects, and you've got these big, colorful, kind of beautiful like playgrounds, and you and your friends, as long as you have Nintendo Online, unfortunately, um, as long as you all have Nintendo Online, uh, you can kind of like meet up with friends and have little parties. Um, yeah. A lot of people just like to take the instruments and toot and slap tambourines <laughs> <laughs> for like whole minutes at a time. It's pretty great. <laughs> but I definitely think it was a it was a good game to I think help a lot of people connect um in a universe where things aren't like there's no urgency, there's no like 
there's not a lot of negativity. Like, sometimes the animals might get in an argument with each other, but they always make up. Um, I think it was very much needed, lighthearted, um, aesthetically cute game um, that also allowed people to connect with each other um, mm. in a time when I think a lot of people needed to mellow out and also yep. uh, yeah. be able to interact in some way, even if it was to avatars hitting each other with bug nets. <laughs> yep, and I will say that if people haven't checked it out and they have a Switch, it is only on Nintendo Switch. Uh, the new one, at least. Yeah. Um, they're still doing they're still doing seasonal events, and since we're still like within a year, there's still like new seasonal events that no one's done before happening. So like, there's a winter event happening right now, right, of some sort. Yep. Um, Toy Day will be happening on uh, December twenty fourth. It is the game's pretty much um Christmas. You go around, a special character will show up and. You get to deliver presents. Um, most of their holidays are locked until the real world day of. Um, <laughs> but you can always time travel backwards. Um, in order... Oh god, time traveling is a whole concept. <laughs> uh, if you change... So Animal Crossing runs on a 24-7, 365, um, whatever the time on your Switch is. So if mm. it's like today is... 12 17 2020 at 8 p.m uh my animal crossing world is the same right now it is the 17th of december at 8 p.m um but you can change your switch's time clock and when you do that so does the time in your game and people call it time traveling um so i know you can do that in order to re-experience holiday events so like if you're Hopefully no one was with their family on Thanksgiving this year unless they live with them. But um, <laughs> if you're busy on a holiday, you can always time travel back to experience it. Yeah. Um, there are some people who are very against time travel. I think for the first week or so, I would have taken a harder stance against it just because people would use it to get to content other people couldn't get yet. Um like, mm-hmm. you know, different seasonal bugs and such. But now that we've done yeah. most of a year and all of that stuff has been accessible, like, you do you. Play the game. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's fun. And I know that they have at least two more years worth of updates that they're yep. saying they plan to continue releasing. So hopefully the game will stay fresh for a while. I uh, know the New Leaf people are still active. That was in the last game, so like, the Animal Crossing communities are really intense. They've got some long legs. Yeah, and it seems like this game or the, the franchise each each installment seems to have a pretty long life cycle. So if they already yeah. have two years uh, of content, or two or three more years of content planned, I'm wondering if they they're going to be able to stretch it further because. I, I didn't then again I didn't even know how many games had come out. I thought it was one per system, just kind of like um Yeah, it has roughly been one per system. So like okay. Animal Forest and Yen sixty four, which was upgraded into Animal Crossing as we know it. Um I forget what the Japanese title was, it doesn't super matter, on GameCube. And then you had City Folk on Wild World on the DS. Wild World on DS. On City Folk on the Wii. Uh New Wii U only got spin-off games. New Leaf on the 3DS. 
Wii yeah. U did get shoot. What were the spinoff games? It was like uh, Amiibo Festival. Amiibo Festival. Oh man, this is starting to feel like Kingdom Hearts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's mostly what I have to, to say about Animal Crossing, though. <laughs> All right, uh, then let's segue to the last of our game of the years. Uh, Brandon, what do you got for us? Um, so for my game, I I did. I've been playing uh, a lot of Dragon Age Origins this year. This is my first time ever playing not just this game, but this franchise. Nice. I've been a, a fan of Bioware before, but I'm not really a huge fantasy person. I've had some select uh, fantasy entertainment like Lord of the Rings, The Witcher, and Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. But I've never really been a fantasy game person. So I'm more of a sci-fi or superhero or some kind of anime influence than than a, a fantasy person. So, so yeah. this is kind of my first real foray. I, I have The Witcher 3. I haven't really done much with it. I know that's kind of sacrilegious to say in some circles, but I think part of my, my uh, fantasy thing in general is that when I play RPGs, I actually like having party members. I feel it, it kind of enriches my 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 mm-hmm. experience a bit more. The the solo journey is not really my style, so like the Skyrims and the the Fallout's and stuff like that aren't really my kind of game. I really do prefer to have a party with me. Okay. It it just kind of it 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 makes a lot of the challenges and problem solving and and really just the strategy behind the combat more engaging and more fun. And you you know, you get to have specializations and and really put a team together yeah for sure and and you take down the bosses and you complete the the quests and the objectives and stuff like that and getting to really know another group of people per se even if they're virtual and so that's been really interesting getting into this world this new world here um I believe in the first game, I, I try not to metagame too much beyond what <laughs> happens in that game, um, but I believe this this one is Ferelden in this world? Yes. In uh, Dragon Age Origins? Yep, Ferelden. It's it's just the name of the country. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so this, <laughs> this, this map that we're playing, it, it's not all yeah. of Middle-earth. It, 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 it no, is, so yeah, the, like the, the world in general is called uh, Thetis. Okay, um, yeah, that, that makes, I, I, um, I remember them saying yeah. that. And, like, all of the games in Dragon Age take place, like, in, like, the countries in and around Ferelden, like, that area of the world. Um, like, where I think the newest one is going to be in Tevinter, which will be the farthest Ooh. of field. Which will be the I've... farthest of field we've gone. I'm not 100% on that, but I believe that's what people have said. Um, but, uh... What about uh, Origins has held you, then, if you're not really generally into fantasy games? Like, is it just the party element of it, or? I think it's because it's, you know, because it's Bioware, I've been a fan of a lot of their games, like I said. Mm -hmm. Uh, I beat the Mass Effect trilogy. I I say that unintentionally. (laughs) (laughs) I beat the Mass Effect trilogy. Um, And I also played both the KOTOR games. I beat the second one. I couldn't finish the final boss on the first one it, i i hate to admit that but i i kind of claim that i beat it because i made it to the final boss 
Sometimes and it's all I, that and matters. I, and, and I saw the cutscenes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I feel like, you know, I might not have the achievement on my original Xbox, but <laughs> at this point, I, I I got to the fight. I know what happens. Yeah. Um, I just kind of lay it to rest, and, you know, I'll, I'll do another playthrough where I actually beat it. Someday. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, so it, it became reminiscent of of uh, KOTOR for me. And so I, f- I feel like that helped because you know the similar similar combat style mm-hmm. and the 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 quest style you kind of get used to when you you know you you follow a a, a development company so closely you kind of get used to the their writing style yeah and for so sure. and so like it just reminded me of like oh this reminds me of terrace oh this reminds me of this place oh this reminds me of this oh okay oh I'm a gray warden I guess they're I guess that's my jedi or my specter okay I'll go with it that's cool Oh yeah. shit! There's a dra- oh shit! There's a dragon coming. Awesome. Oh man, I hope I hope it doesn't end up like like the crate dragon. Uh oh. Oh, we actually have to fight this one. All right. <laughs> man, I cannot. W- I always I look forward to you if you do get to it playing the third one. Oh, and I, the dragons I will. in that one. <laughs> I will. My my cousin, my cousin slash roommate. Uh, he has he has Inquisition. He hasn't played the other two, but he okay. has Inquisition. So. I, I he said that when I'm whenever I'm ready to play he'll let me he'll let me play it because he I think he's done with it he just you know he has it so he's yeah. like yeah whenever you want it just let me know but I I wanted to go to play the game in order play the games in order just of experience course. the whole series because you know not much else to do after work <laughs> so I, you know <laughs> I will say um, I adored Origins I bought it not immediately when it came out. Um, like, I definitely got it used. I was only buying games used yeah. at that point. Uh, but I adored it. I played the second one. Mostly liked it. Uh, see, uh, see episode, like, two of of this podcast to know my uh, not thoughts on that one. Um, and I really did like Inquisition. The biggest caveat I have with that series is that they tend to put important story things in the expansions to the games. So there's stuff in two that expects you to have played origins expansion awakening so yeah. if you have access to that i would play it um oh yeah after, yeah after I, 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 yeah I, I got it last night i think okay i got awakening last night and i got the um the stone prisoner because I, I want I, I wanted shale i was like oh yeah i went i went through this yeah. whole game and i didn't have shale and now i'm like slowly kicking myself saying i should have played this game with shale because what a tank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't play it with Shale either, which was which was a disappointment. And then in the third yeah. game, there's a DLC called I believe it's Trespasser that has okay. what ends up being super important plot for apparently going into the fourth game. So which Bioware right. I don't know Bioware why you loves do that. doing that. Well, cuz I, I mean I mean money. We, 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 <laughs> I mean, how long is how long has EA owned them again? Uh, long enough. That's probably why. <laughs> so I got, I got a question for you, Brandon. Have you yet experienced it, the unmitigated joy that is making the dog your party leader and running around town talking to people? So unfortunately, and even if you check my screenshot on the, the article I posted yesterday, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have that. I missed the dog. No! I did one of my friends, she, like, cause one of my friends, she she was telling me about it. She was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, you can get a dog," and I was like, "You can get a what now?" She's like, "You didn't get the dog." I was like, "No, I was I was not doing a strategy guide unless I died." You she can be like, the oh, dog. Was, I know. Like, yeah. But 
I, I like I got I got you know I got Sten. I did all this yep, stuff, and yep. then I was like, oh, yeah, cool. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, she's like, did you get the dog? I was like, did I get the what now? She's like, no. I was like, oh, that's who the collars and the freaking yeah. bones are for? I was like, I yeah. thought that was just like a random, oh, my gosh. that Yeah. And, and, you know, and it, and it made sense. Why else would you have a collar if if it's, it's not for a dog? It's not Why a kink. It bones? is just for it's, a dog. <laughs> yeah. It is literally like, yeah, it's it's not a, it's not a thing that you can actually wear. Yep. Um, And I was yeah. like, oh, man, well, that. You know that's unfortunate. If I could, which I probably, which I absolutely can, but I, I, I might not do that this time around. Mm-hmm. I might just, I might do, a, I might run it back and just try, make sure I get all the characters early on, and then make my party from there. Yeah. But, will the short answer is no? Unfortunately, not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice yeah, to know that I you think... have some replayability then. Yes, absolutely. Origins is interesting because there are definitely more. I think there's more characters that are like missable. Than in a lot of other Bioware games, like yeah, um, it's like you can just several of them you can just leave to die and like not recruit and ignore, um, <laughs> yeah, which is I, which is I, unusual. I uh, yeah, I, I almost missed Liliana. Yeah, uh, but even overall, there aren't that that many characters. Um, yeah. So like, it's still like a manageable number. You can finish the game with like half the cast. <laughs> yeah i almost i i didn't yeah i'll so avoid spoilers to be sure but yeah you can you can avoid you can finish it with like half the actual cast it seems um, like it i mean yeah i got to at this point i'm almost done i think i'm I'm about to do the lands meet um okay i i i did the escape from fort dracon and all that stuff so it's literally about to be the actual lands meet. You know, I did the alienage already. My character is a city elf, so it was nice to go back home, even if it was kind of really shocking and sad. Just it's sad to see what yep. happened to it, but also nice to actually be able to go there and you know see your family again. Um, so it 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 was it was it's it's been fun and it's been nice to have that level of escapism, especially you know because again like. We've been in this whole isolation period, so having that, ha- having like having another world to be able to just like interact with folks and have some sense of, of clear direction and clear goals and things like that that are not super abstract is is nice. I am very curious to see how the rest of the franchise unfolds because mm-hmm. the unlike unlike mass effect excuse me i was going to say bioware unlike mass effect the 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 origin story seems finite enough that the sequels just by and large have to be different because it doesn't look like you're going to have a uh the same character going through yes it is a new main character each time okay well that's that's good to know at least i'll get a finite story uh it also means that if you like don't necessarily like the class you played as you can switch it in the next game without like that being a problem yeah i mean <laughs> I, I i like it I, I i decided to do a rogue um okay. I, I i since i was new to the franchise i didn't want to get overwhelmed by the magic that's fair um except that that one time in the fade with um with uh in redcliffe yep which was I actually you know by the time I got there I was like oh you know this is actually kind of fun maybe I should have done a mage but um 
I've seen some gameplay video for the second game, and I like the pacing of it, so I might okay. end up staying. I might end up staying with my class. That makes sense. I typically play them as a mage, um, though I did in Inquisition. I had to play most of the game over again uh, mm. due to losing a save, and the second time around, I played as a rogue instead. Um, mm. What? The thing I one of the things I really liked about Origins is that the the subclasses, the specializations you can unlock, yeah, like would radically change how the character played. Like absolutely, arcane warrior. He's the mage. That, is, that, that is mage specialization one of the most broken is so things I've ever seen. good. Like there's, I'm guessing that's why it's not in the following two games uh, because it's super broken. I I mage tanked. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is that is probably the because it, most like, yeah it lets you use your magic stat in place of strength or whatever to determining what equipment you can wear yeah it, it's <laughs> it is super broken god it's and so I'm just fun like, though i'm just like i'm like <laughs> wow the thing for me is like I, I i can't take full advantage of the arcane warrior uh because i'm not a mage yeah and i tried i gave it to win but mm-hmm. i also I don't you need try to. <laughs> yeah, but I also um, I auto level my characters because I don't oh, necessarily yeah. know how to. Yeah, for sure. To properly. And that's what the feature is there for. Yeah, I don't know how to properly um, progress each each one's tree, and I don't want to make it so that way they're they're like we all get get curve stomped. I mean, my 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 um my team has been pretty effective, just staying in their roles and just making the right combinations. But that arcane, I, I gave it just to see what happened, and when I saw all the all the greens for for win, I was like, "Wow, this is freaking broken." <laughs> it's called working smarter, not harder. Yeah, <laughs> it it really makes it it like I'm this close to just going back and just starting over as a mage and just being like, "It's it's worth it." Start over as a mage, get the dog. <laughs> you know. All right, uh, let's transition to the second part of this little podcast. Uh, Let's talk about stuff that aren't games. Um, because we all do things that aren't just play video games all day. Uh, even during the pandemic, amazingly enough. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll, I can start us off. Um, one of the things I've been doing this year is trying to read more. So, you know, I'm, I'm in a book club both with coworkers and with friends. Uh, I have... If you look behind me, those of you on the video, you can see the huge amount of books I have to read. It's too many. Um, I'm very good at acquiring books, and I'm slower at reading them. But a couple of the ones I did read this year, there is a trilogy that is two-thirds released called the Sealed Tome Tomb Trilogy. Uh, the first of which is Harrow... Sorry, is Gideon the Ninth, and the second is Harrow the Ninth. They are science fantasy, so takes place in some sort of far-flung future. They have space travel tech nonsense. Also, they're they're necromancers. Um, <laughs> like, every major character is a necromancer. Um, and they have, like, different specializations. And so the main characters of the first book, uh, Gideon and Harrow, who are from the Ninth House, their house uh, specializes in bone necromancy. So the sort of thing that you would like kind of think of if you were thinking like video game necromancer, they raise skeletons and or like make armor out of bones, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh 
and Harrow is the actual necromancer, and Gideon is her cavalier, which is uh, essentially a bodyguard. Okay. The books are also very gay. Like, <laughs> um, a whole subplot in the book is Gideon, who is a girl. Um, that was not clear. Both both of the main characters are female. Uh, just ends up having the hots for another chick that they run into uh, to the point of being compromising, which is kind of great. Uh, their fl- the flirtations are great. Uh, Gideon's basically just a meathead. Um, and Harrow is like a goth, uh, like recluse. Um, and the whole book is written, like I th- what really like kept me going through them is the whole, the books are written in a very like modern lingo. Like the, the very like pacing of how it works is very similar to modern speech. There's references to memes in the way that, like, if we were, like, having a conversation or, like, running a D&D game with a bunch of friends that when where, like, it wasn't an immersion thing, it's just, like, uh... What's a good example? Someone give me a meme. <laughs> um... Choice paralysis immediately. Uh, Choice paralysis uh, immediately. Oh, no. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing. Yeah, so, like... I could see like making a reference to that in a D&D campaign. They managed to make reference references to that sort of thing in a published fantasy science fantasy novel. Um Oh my god. Which is <laughs> someone got a good so, editor. So like almost <laughs> brain bending because you don't expect that sort of that sort of speech. Um of someone like you don't expect that sort of speech of someone who like obviously or presumably like read and wrote a lot of fanfic and has spent a lot of time online and has let that filter into their work um Mm. the books are also like fun and engaging there's a lot of fun characters uh the first book is essentially like trap a bunch of people in a house they're trying to find solve some mystery meanwhile someone's killing them off um The second book is more cerebral. <laughs> I don't even necessarily want to give away the conceit of that book. It's weird. Even in comparison to the first book, it's weird. Um, okay. But it does sort of like circle back around by the end. Okay. Um, That's fine. But no, I super, I very much enjoyed these books. Um, and I think other people would too. So who mm. would like to go next? The thing I want to talk about that I do like a whole lot and that has been um, rather big for me in 2020 uh, is a tabletop roleplay game called Ryutama. Aw, yeah. Uh, Ryutama is a natural fantasy roleplay game. It was created in Japan. It was kickstarted. Um... And it is, a lot of people call it uh, Oregon Trail meets, like, Studio Ghibli. Um, It's got a very, like, kind of wholesome, uh, heavy focus on roleplay, storytelling, uh, the journey. So there's, like, a whole lot of, um, it's not really necessary, but I really like it. The, like, kind of, like, inventory and resource management, because you're a group of characters 
that are going from point A to point B, and it can either be like um, going from one town to another, or maybe you're going from uh, the town at the bottom of a big mountain and you have to do an expedition in order to get to the shrine at the top of it. Um, maybe you're doing like a really long-term campaign where you're exploring a, like a country that's got like all kinds of different settlements. Um, dragons play a big part in the game. The four dragons that are the seasonal dragons are the ones that created the world. Um, that's pretty much one of the only canon things in Ryutama is that there are dragons and they made stuff. Um, yep. There's the four big dragons. <laughs> There's the dragons that made the world, like terrain dragons, and then there's weather dragons, which are really cute. Um, there's like the art in the, the, art in the source of... book is so adorable. It's like... so good. Oh my god. <laughs> um, one of the cool things there's no like uh, species in Ryutama, um, like how in a lot of games like Pathfinder and Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that, they have a Elves, dwarves, humans, orcs, etc. Um, mm -hmm. Ryutama doesn't have that, so you can pretty much do whatever you want. Um, I'm running three games right now of Ryutama um, of that are kind of like are. different stories. <laughs> I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing are you a, a couple? Short are those the only ones. games you're running right now, or are you still doing like six or nine or however many games you run? <laughs> I'm only I'm only doing those three games uh, and uh, one Pathfinder game. So, um, I've, I've lowered it considerably with the pandemic. <laughs> um, one of the cool things about Ryutama is, uh, like, my players, I kind of gave them, we call it character greenhouse. Um, it's where they grow things in the world, where some of them, some people were like, I want to be a mouse person. Uh, others are like, I just want to be a human. And some people want to be, uh, orcs. Some people want to be, like, things that they've made up, like weird squid people. Um, Matt made those ones, <laughs> you know, Morgan of Matt, course he did. who's been on the podcast <laughs> before, yeah. Um, but Rutom is a really good game because it involves a lot of roleplay, a lot of interacting with people and going on kind of like more of a wholesome, I've been very focused on making it a very wholesome, very beautiful experience. Um, I've become very discord savvy through it because uh mm. one thing i really enjoy with Rutama is having music playing in the background and uh using the dice roller and all that kind of thing and being able to like post images and like uh gifs and stuff or gifs or whatever um <laughs> for people to be able to look at to kind of like really get them into the atmosphere um and so far every game i've run uh i've had my players laughing and they all kind of have like some really good warm fuzzy feelings and especially like this time of the year and especially like with the pandemic going on i think that it's something that has been a project that i've been able to a lot of put a lot of focus into um and all around it's just like a very wholesome game with a very le or not very uh, less problematic history than some other tabletop games and a lot of freedom to like homebrew and stuff Nice. That's my Rutama hot take. Yeah, I I really want to play it. Like I have a copy of the book in the other room, um, and it is. I'll hit, uh, maybe I'll God. send you it. I'll send you a message. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> oh, it's it's right. really fun. Yeah, 
That sounds really fun. Yeah, I, I can go next. All right. So aside from aside from writing and gaming, one of the things that I really really enjoy is music. Um, I'm a huge fan of hip hop, R and B, to an extent, uh, pop, uh, some jazz, gospel, a whole bunch of different things. That really the the sounds kind of carry me. Uh, I, I think there's a specific <laughs> sound and or and or vibe that really just um, resonates. And this year, that al- that one came for me in the form of an album by Janae Aiko, the an R&B singer and producer. Uh, her album Chilombo. I will would have to get back to you on the significance of the name. I don't know what it means or how it came to pass, but I do know that the album slaps. It has some very great beats, and a lot of it is Quiet Storm influenced. And for those who aren't familiar, Quiet Storm is a kind of subgenre of R and B, where it was kind of like late, like late, like late night R and B songs that was were on the radio, okay. late night radio jams. Um, there's a a a, a t- this kind of a cadence and a and a like like a softness that's like almost like like an adult style R and B, but not like not lewd not necessarily all not you know it kind, it kind of playful in a sense some of it might straddle that line and others might just be more blunt about things but it is kind of more like late night like put the kids to bed and then mm-hmm. and then mom mom and dad will 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 like and like listen to, to quiet star <laughs> but it, it it was also just a very you know she has a very great voice she has a she has a great production team that worked with her on this album a lot of good features i mean she worked with if i'm not mistaken she i know she worked with john legend a bit she had um her the recently the um who recently won best new artist at the grammys i think a year or two ago uh she worked with she worked with uh, legend with hip hop legend Nas, and that was actually one of my favorite songs of the year. Okay, uh, that that collaboration between the two of them, and I I just found it to be a very easy album to listen to. It had a lot of of really good beats, great sounds, uh, great great singing, uh, some good some good raps as well. Uh, Janae kind of does both; she sings and she raps. And yeah, I, I, I thought that was a great album. Nice. Yeah, I uh, have not listened to it. I will probably listen to it, I guess, tomorrow because now I'm curious. Um, there's been a lot of good music that came out this year, though. Been a good year for yeah, music. Definitely. Uh, Recently, so I haven't listened to that much music, but I'm definitely excited to delve into it especially with your recommendation all right uh will finish us off what's your non-game of the year recommendation well i'm gonna go with television because i've been watching a truly i i, I don't want to even admit to how much television i've been watching lately <laughs> um or how many series no i've finished or whatnot uh how many hobbies i've picked up because i've been watching them uh but uh I am super hyped for the fact that as we're recording this, 
season five of the expanse drops and i picked up the expanse because everyone that i hang out in sci-fi you know uh realms with uh was raving about it um i wanted to read the books first but didn't get around to it because i was finishing my phd and reading was work and not fun so books wasn't in the cards um but television television works so i uh started watching it and i have to say i am the kind of person who likes really crunchy sci-fi like if there's a i'm a mo's sci-fi hardness scale i i want the freaking 10 i want this thing <laughs> okay maybe the nine maybe not 2001 space odyssey but um uh-huh. <laughs> but something because it's pacing problem at that point right yeah. um yeah. but okay. like one of my favorite space movies is the martian because they really work very hard to nail all of the science and the same have you true. read the book i'm going to i actually have it it's it's on my queue it's yes. I, have I haven't seen the movie, but like that book is so real good. <laughs> the movie impresses the hell out of me because they do take a couple of shortcuts, but they're all in the name of this is a movie and we don't want it to be 15 hours long. Um, of course. And uh, it's, I mean, it's, I, I describe it to people. It's, it's not actually a space movie. It's my side of the mountain in space. Um, yeah. But it's, it is a damn, damn good movie. And it is, super crunchy and super hard on all of its science facts. And as you know, someone who I have an advanced, like super advanced academic degree, I care about science and shit. Um, and so I love watching the expanse because of how seriously they take all of the realities of mm. space itself. Yes. They have, you know, a magical woo woo drive in order to avoid the whole, it takes 18 months to get anywhere problem. I'm fine with that. Um, but the, the thing that I love it is even that one conceit to to faster not faster than light but like basically ridiculously high specific impulse travel. The like my favorite part about the that whole thing is that the inventor of it killed himself with it. That's how he invented it, because there are consequences to that, right? Like if yeah. you if you play with physics like that, a natural consequence is every action has an equal and opposite reaction, and if that action is at nine g's yeah. forever, you suffocate done have a nice day (laughs) and the voiceover like the moment like the scene where they're introducing this thing that happened deep in the the past of the of the setting is is really great i also love uh the character writing in it particularly uh amos amos as a character in any other show or context would be toxic as fuck um, yep. like this is an incredibly, I solve problems with violence, like brutish white male who just doesn't really have that much of a winning attitude. And he is one of the most compellingly written and fascinating from a, a psychology perspective characters. I think I have ever seen in science fiction and the actor yeah. that plays him does so much work and it is so yeah, wonderful. He really does. Like Amos is possibly one of the only um, it's a depiction of a character that is almost amoral. Yeah. Because he takes his entire morality, for, he basically will latch on to a person and their morality becomes his morality. Yep. Until such Those a time as, until such a time as something, and, and I'm not talking like um, how groups tend to like move in similar directions over time. It's like, mm. 
he has decided that this person is his person. Um, they tell him to jump, and he will likely say how high. Uh, it's it kind of, it kind of goes a step beyond that too, because it's even it does, to the point does. where, in the absence of that person, he is analyzing the actions and the choices in front of him in terms of what would so and so do, would or what would so and so think yeah. of me if I yeah. did so. It is yeah. he is a yeah. Uh, it's not that he's amoral; he is actually a sociopath. And so yeah. because he has no moral compass, he's looking around at like, what do I want? I want to have association with these people or that person. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to construct all of my actions to facilitate that goal. And it's brilliantly done. It is an interesting take on, you know, it's, it's, we're, it's a humanity that is spacefaring, but only within the solar system because we're oh. just not close enough to anything else. Yeah, faster than light. They they don't break the light they, barrier for it. They don't have yeah. So like they have Earth, Mars, and then who are, uh, a group called the Belters, which are people who have essentially colonized the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter, and also some wow. of the moons of Jupiter and, like, and Saturn, and like a few moons. Yeah, it, the, some of them go that far out, but that's it. That's that's as far as humanity has gotten. Um. And there's just so much, like, political stuff happening. Um, For a couple of white dudes, they write a fairly reasonably diverse cast reasonably well. Um, They also write some pretty crunchy prejudice as a major part of the the, the story between the three nations. Hmm. Yeah. Um, And, like, they've just, like, thought out so many parts of, of, of the setting where it's like, okay, what do people eat, you know? (laughs) <laughs> how do how do the things work you know what would people do in this situation what kinds of employment opportunities are there like the show starts out like with people on a ship that like mines ice to bring water to the colonies in places that don't have water because that's how they get water they get shipped in from ice from like you know whatever moons have you know water based ice um Wow, that is that is actually really fascinating. There's a lot of like cool moments, and we're not touching on the 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 the, the weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, like the the main plot is, is there's, there's always weird stuff. Like what what I, I don't find know if I want to touch on the weird stuff because I would want people to experience that. Yes, like absolutely, mm-hmm. I agree. It's there. Like the, the, the main fun. plot is. I, I would I would call it fairly standard sci-fi fare, but it's wrapped in very non-standard, hyper-crunchy spec fare. Yep. And then every every book, and to a slightly lesser extent, every season has such a different focus and such a different feel. And mm. I'm stealing part of your thunder here, Will. No, that's but fine. But like a good chunk of the first book is like half the book is a detective story. Yep. Same with the first. It's like season. space noir detective. And then the other half of that book is, like, uh, how would you describe that? They're just, like, on the run half the time. Yeah. Um, so, is this like, <laughs> so is this, like, Cowboy Bebop meets Mass Effect or something? Like it's way more coherent it? than Cowboy Bebop. Well, uh, but not, no. That's, uh, that, that's okay. Okay. That's, um, hmm. that's fair. Cowboy Bebop is very episodic. That's fair. <laughs> It almost feels to me like what happens if you were to take um, 
like Firefly with that and, limited and but still vast theater. universe and that single crew that you're following and their troubles and also a little bit of I almost want to say I want to say like House of Cards. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of House of Cards, but not no. Or like maybe like it's not as mean as House of Cards. It might be somewhat closer to West Wing, but like the amount of like political intrigue and like powers at play in that way that like there's a lot of usage of soft power as well as things like you know electrical and nuclear power yeah um and i think that's part of what makes it compelling because it's not there are very applicable and transferable stories happening in space (laughs) the the balance between soft and hard power yeah it's um god almost closer to a low-tech gundam show that's an interesting because like they don't have putting it okay. well they don't have like you know giant fighting suits like they just don't well yeah yeah but, but like, like like the way that those shows are structured the way that those shows are structured i think is actually like a reasonable i think it's a better matchup than saying cowboy bebop would be to say that, gundam that's fair because <laughs> again cowboy bebop is very uh, episodic and and it's but yeah uh do you have anything else you want to say about the expanse I think I pretty much covered it. Like the appeal for it to me, it's it's so season five is is dropping now, and they they've greenlit season six. Yep. So it's gonna be good stuff. It is on Amazon Prime, I think, in the U.S. Yep. yep I don't US. know other uh, locales. Uh, my general advice, if you don't know how to watch something, is to go to JustWatch.com. It is fairly up to date. Um, good to know. Yeah. Uh, this is not a sponsorship. I just happened to use that website. Uh, all right. Um, what I think I'd like to have us do to sort of close out beyond closing um, is kind of do a lightning round. If anyone has any other uh, particularly games that they want to recommend, uh, but that didn't want to spend as much time on, we can kind of go around and do that. So now, Candela, you had one. A short hike. A Short Hike was a game that I played this year when it came out on the Switch. Holy macaroni, it is game of the year for me, hands down. I've played it is very hours good. Animal Crossing, and it comes nowhere close to <laughs> the absolute, like, charming music, sweet jumps, uh, <laughs> super uh, funny dialogue, um big collect-a-thon. I love it. I love it so much. I think everyone should try it at least once. Yeah, it. I've played it. It was really fun. No, I, I... And it's really just like... I don't know. It's good for the soul. <laughs> like, there's a whole genre of games yeah. that are just like... They feel good. They will make you feel better. Um, uh-huh. I would also, one of the things I think I would recommend, there's a game called Frog Detective in the case of, it might be the case of the Haunted Island, Frog Detective 1, something like that. Uh, it takes about an hour to play, and it is just a, a joy of a little simple, like, point-and-click adventure game. Well, not point-and-click, you move around the hour keys, but, you know, little adventure game. Mm. Uh, I think my actual, like, my, my, my stronger rec here, though, would be for, there's a game called Later Alligator. Uh, it came out at the beginning of this year. It is... You are hired by an alligator named Pat, who is worried 
that someone is gonna do something. There's like some plot against him and he wants you to figure it out. Um, and so you sort of function as an investigator, sort of function as his bodyguard, going through Alligator New York and playing mini games and meeting all of the members of his absurd little family. Um, and it is, the music is great. Um, it's just so charming of a game. Um, it also has a secret ending. Quick question. <laughs> yes. Are there humans in the sewers of Alligator New York? There are no humans in the game. Oh. It's just alligators. <laughs> I'm going to, you said frog detective. I want to play it so bad now. I Googled it very quickly and I was like, oh, I want yeah. this. I'm like, I also that have the second hysterical. one and I'm just like waiting for a day where I'm having a bad day so I can play frog detective two and have a good day. <laughs> I got one to kick out. It just, it, it just sounds hysterical. All right. I am going to do a, a quick shot for Noita, um, Ooh. which is a roguelike uh, side-scrolling shooter. Uh, is that the one with like, the super interactable environment? Yes, it is. Uh, it's basically Terraria on something hallucinogenic. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the main... Th the main th on its on the surface, it just looks like you go around and you shoot stuff with magic wands, and there you can customize them and you can pick up abilities and whatnot. It's it otherwise, but it's like Terraria in that it has a ridiculously large world to explore, like way bigger than it looks at first. And it's not just that the environment is fully uh, simulated, like down to the pixel level, but specifically, it is a game about alchemy, and so. Mm. Uh, different things will interact with each other in different ways. And there are several recipes that are randomized, forcing you to explore how different things will interact with each other in order to produce various substances that have desired effects. So it's, uh, it's super engrossing. It's a very, very good Twitch shooter if you're into that sort of thing. And uh, it, it's sort of, it's Terraria without the building, basically. All right, Brandon, you got me. Um, I do, but before I, before I, I do, I just have have to ask. Um, I'm not actually familiar with Terraria. Oh, so Terraria. Have you played I, Minecraft? Yeah, I was gonna say it's 2D <laughs> Minecraft. Oh, oh um, okay. Um, so, yeah, Terraria is a side-scrolling shooter slasher kind of thing, but you it, can build okay. stuff. It's essentially Minecraft okay. in 2D with a lot more work put into its combat. Um. Okay. And, like, a lot of stuff that's, like, hard to figure out and find, like, there's just, there's, like, some insanely difficult endgame bosses, and, like, it, 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 like, it, I think early Terraria could be very easily explained as Minecraft but 2D, but it mm. certainly became its own beast over time. Okay. Um, it's what's, on, the, what's the Terraria in space one? Starbound. Starbound? Yeah, Starbound. Yeah. So, okay, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I've, I've not played Minecraft. My little brothers love Minecraft, but I've I've not really gotten into that. I I need I Minecraft I can play, but not like a lot. Um, I actually there are these. Uh, these are less of a recommendation for this year because I played the first one a couple years ago. There's a mm. a, a spinoff series of the Dragon Quest series, 
called Dragon Quest oh. Builders. There's there's one and two, oh. and they're essentially Minecraft but Dragon Quest. And so like you have like quests and a plot line. There's also like a sandbox mode where you don't, but there's like a a main st- and that I I ate up uh, because I guess what I was missing from Minecraft was like clear objectives. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Fair. All right. Um, I actually have two games. All right. Uh, they're both anime based. Okay. The first is uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Yes. I think Good. just <laughs> a, as a, I think just a, a, as a fighting game in and of itself, it is super fun. It's and I I, I don't think I I've had that much fun playing. A, an arcade style fighting game in a while and I I, re- I I like playing Marvel vs. Capcom and I've enjoyed playing like Mortal Kombat and Injustice and stuff like that I know Contest of Champions has graduated to Dave and Busters which <laughs> I, I mean I, I mean yeah great job to, <laughs> great job to them <laughs> like <laughs> great job to them I did not I did not see that coming at all yeah me either um <laughs> But Fighter Z just kind of it, it it has like the throwback vibe of the two D um, Dragon Ball Z games, kind of like Ultimate Battle twenty two on the PS one. But it thro- it mixes in characters from all across the franchise. Yeah. Um, a lot of it being like the the villains from from Z through from like Z through Super. There's a ton and... of characters in there that I have no idea who they are. Yeah, there's only <laughs> one. I, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, because I haven't really beaten the story, I've just been playing through a little bit of the, you know, just like some just practicing with some of the characters and stuff like that. But I think there's only one original character, and everyone else is from earlier on in, yeah, in the series. Yeah, there's one. It's from, a, whether it's from Z or Super, there is an android. Yeah, there's a new android, and that's it. Everyone else is from one yeah. thing. I I yeah. think what what is so remarkable about fighter z to me um is that this is a licensed game that they did not have to go this hard for and it has become like for for people who like games by that company uh what is arc system works i think so um so like they do like blaze blue and that sort of thing like yeah in a world where blaze blue cross tag battle exists which is like blaze blue and undernight in birth Trust me, I don't recognize that one either. Ruby and like Persona 4 Arena characters, plus even mm-hmm. other stuff now. DBZ fight DBZ Fighter Z is like the game in that genre to be. Like, it's 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 just if you haven't watched gameplay this... footage of that game, go watch it and marvel at how they were able to make a game look like an anime. It's real good. Like, I mean, ah. <laughs> I've played so many Dragon Ball Z games, and up until I played this one, my favorite was Budokai Three from the PS2, and this might be my new favorite Dragon Ball Z game. And I was just like, "Wow, this it's... has been a hidden. This has been a hidden gem." And I waited two years to play this. <laughs> yeah, if, if you like, if you like fighting games, shit. it's hard to to say not to play Fighter Z. Yeah. I just yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's your other game? My other game. Um, my other game is actually uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. 
I did not think I would ever try to recommend a Yu-Gi-Oh game to people who've never played Yu-Gi-Oh or never watched Yu-Gi-Oh. But in you know, maybe this is just me biased from being a fa- from growing up effectively with the franchise. But they've found a way to streamline it and make it quick enough for you to have like two or three minute duels just by cutting the deck size and and cutting down the field size a bit okay and eliminating certain mechanics or certain cards so that way it doesn't just get tiresome or bothersome like you know you don't have to worry about like um god what was the what was the 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 thing from before you don't have to worry about like like a Yadagarasu locker or anything like that. See, it, my you, my you like 20, extensive yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh knowledge stops. God, uh, the Egyptian gods were like game changing for me when I actually played that game. I oh didn't yeah, go they're past there. That. I did not go past their original introduction. Um, yeah. So <laughs> like like so many new mechanics in those games. <laughs> Yeah, and the, what what it what kind of what was the the original appeal of the game was actually that they they jettisoned those those new mechanics and then they started off by with the game by appealing to the original mechanics of the game. Yeah. So those people who were, were interested in the original series, it started that way, and then kind of each year they're adding the other series because they're trying to find ways to work the new mechanics into it. But they've taken their time. And at this point, they just added Zexel, or Zeal, however it's pronounced, because apparently in Japan you don't pronounce X, X's a lot but in, in those uh, titles, but they're there. Um, but, like, they had... They, they they separate them, so that way you kind of have to... You, you kind of go in between the franchises intentionally, as opposed to having them as a free-for-all. So you kind of switch worlds and then you duel against characters in their respective worlds. And you also take control of characters and you level them up and that's how you unlock more cards as well as you can also just pay for cards or like pay for packs, I should say, not for cards. Okay. Um, but it, it, it was a fun way of trying to get back and, you know, as a digital card game, you can try so many different options that you wouldn't normally have in, in reality without taking up a shit ton of space at your house or wherever you, you live. And so just being able to try all those card combinations and those decks that I never got to try out as a kid and, you know, maybe try to keep up a little bit with some of the newer mechanics that didn't make sense to me. Um, it, it It's fun. It's fun. You, you get so many options. You can play it casually or you can play it hardcore. They have a lot of, a lot of tournaments, I think, once a quarter. Um. Yeah, it it's fun. All right. Um, I think that is all the time we have for today. Uh, I want to thank you all for coming and sharing. Uh, largely things that we feel positively about. It's it's nice like. It's nice to just be positive about things. I think that's that's a pretty yeah. good general sentiment. Um, Amen. Yeah, uh, let's go around the the virtual room and tell listeners where they can find you on the internet. And let's go, let's do it alphabetically. So, Brandon. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
If you want to, if you're looking for me personally, my Twitter is b c k e s s o, and my Instagram is l d chocolate. I'm not giving any context there. <laughs> um, if you're looking for the podcasts or the blogs, the podcast that I that I I'm on is uh, Nerdcraft Nation, and that is at nerdcraft nation on both twitter and instagram and the blog that the our blog is a a pub square media but we go by the 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 handle is the pub square so t-h-e-p-u-b-s-q-a-r-e that is there on twitter and on instagram it is just pub square media at pub square media so that's that's it (laughs) <laughs> all right uh Candelia? i personally am unwind era on all social media platforms if i'm not on it let me know and then i'll join it so that no one can steal my name <laughs> um <laughs> that's where you'll find me on um i mostly use things like discord twitter um instagram I don't. I haven't been on my Tumblr in a really long time, so probably don't contact me through that. That won't work out. Um, I'm also part of a podcast that talks mostly about LARP called uh, the Plot Armor Podcast. We are on Anchor and a couple of other places that also um, host podcast sites. I don't know. One of my other podcast hosts take care of that stuff. <laughs> For me, I do the other things. Um but uh, we talk about LARP, we talk about costuming, we talk about props, all that kind of stuff. All right, and Will? I am available on Twitch as PhDIPO. Um, I do my Long Dark Stream Fridays from 7.30 Eastern to 10 p.m. Eastern. I've been thinking about picking up more than one uh night of the week and putting some other stuff up there um so we'll we'll see but uh the other thing that i've been up to lately last since we last talked actually is i have a youtube project launched now um it is called the american democracy a user's manual and it puts my phd in law and public policy to work basically (laughs) as a, a sort of crash course in civics for united states residents and also citizens Um, I've got an episode on voting out now, um, and I'm about to drop an episode on writing your Congress critters. Basically goes into these things like this, and it tells you how to do it, how to do it effectively, what to expect when you do it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I'm pretty excited for it. It's hopefully going to be getting off the ground more seriously now that we're getting through the holidays. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Um, Thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, I hope you had a good time. Uh, Thank you, listeners, for listening. I hope that you have heard at least one thing that you have not yet played, read, watched, uh, that now you can can do so and hopefully enjoy. Um, Yeah, the normal tagline doesn't apply, so take care. The Maybe We Can Fix This podcast is produced by me, Morgan Le Fay. Theme music is by Incredible Unbelievable, and logo design is by Juliana Wheel. 
You can find some of my writings at morganemily.blog, and you can follow me on Twitter at MorganThePlay. Thank you for listening.